Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. The Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, a historic decision. We're going to be talking about it on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. You know, Matt, we've talked, we've prayed, we've worked for years up to this very time, such as this. And here we are saying those words. It's unbelievable. You know, it was something that God put in my heart years ago that I would live to see the day that Roe v. Wade and the abortion decisions are overturned. And here it is. I knew it without a shadow of a doubt. We've worked for it. This was the issue that ultimately was the pivotal change from me being a pastor full-time to going into law school. It was the issue of abortion, and the occurrence occurred in 1983 when I watched the documentary Assignment Life. But it still seems surreal, doesn't it? It seems surreal. Like, is this really true, you know? Many people had been working on this issue since before 1973, and certainly many from 1973 onward, I began to get involved in 1983 when I first really was revealed about what was going on with abortion and not just relying upon the media, but actually looking into abortion. So many people, when you see these polls, for example, are they in favor of the decision, not in favor of the decision? The real question is, do you really know what happens in an abortion? Let me show you what actually happens in an abortion. Do you favor that? Do you favor this little baby being ripped apart, dismembered, pulled apart, brutally destroyed? Is that what you really think should happen through all nine months, by the way, of pregnancy, because that's Roe v. Wade and the other abortion decisions. Because it's it's important to know, education is the key, to know that that baby, the moment it was conceived, to whether it's 10 weeks in the womb, to whether it's a two-year-old, it's all the same baby. It's the same baby. And when you look at the fact that even in very small gestational period of growth early on, the baby has all the human functions or has all the human uh, appearances uh, as you and I. Uh, the, the the rib cage, the eyes, uh, the cranial structure. It the, can feel pain. All of those right. things are present. It moves, it yawns. So, yeah. you know, even these first trimester, early trimester suction abortions, after you become aware that you've missed your menstrual cycle, that baby has already progressed quite significantly. Mm-hmm. And these babies are ripped apart, reassembled on the table to make sure all the pieces have been removed. That's been abortion. 63-plus million children have brutally died since 1973, and now it's over. It's over at least at the U.S. Supreme Court. The battle is intense all over the nation, including in Congress, on the states, in the legislators' uh, offices and halls, but also in the state courts as well. But the battle at the Supreme Court's over. This is an incredible victory, but also... This is an amazing, the impact that this will have is global. Mm -hmm. I remember taking law students to Israel in one of our Covenant Journey ministry programs, taking young people to Israel. We were talking to a Supreme Court justice in the Israeli Supreme Court, and they were talking about judicial activism. Sometimes they're criticized that they invented the law contrary to what the Knesset said, and the Knesset criticized them. That's not what we meant, and the justices knew that's not what they meant. They just created and, but to justify that, he pointed to the penumbra that we've talked about in the abortion decisions, and that comes out of Roe v. Wade. 
They couldn't find where it is in the Constitution because it's not there, a right to an abortion. So they said it kind of emanates from the edges. It's the penumbra, the glow around the Constitution. And so in a bad way, the Supreme Court has been an influence to the Israeli Supreme Court encouraging their judicial activism, and that's a global impact. Now when the court comes back to a more originalist approach, uh, that will also have a global impact. Moreover, it'll have a generational impact. I, along with others since 1973, all those who have gone to law school in their first year or second year of law school when they take constitutional law required course, you're weaned on the milk of Roe v. Wade. That's the indoctrination that you get and that this is just the way it is, this is what the court said, and this is the law of the land. But no more. No more. They're not going to be weaned on Roe v. Wade, Planned Parent versus Casey. They will be instructed on the Dobbs decision. Right. And think about Matt. I mean, think about God's orchestration in all this. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg would not step down. In fact, I would get aggravated sometime. Like, the woman's really not doesn't seem to be all there. Why doesn't she step down and retire? But if she had, Obama would have appointed her replacement. And so we wouldn't have these three constitutionalist judges to have this decision to where we are today. And the reason she didn't step down during Obama's term is she was confident that Hillary Clinton was going to win, and she wanted to have her replacement by a woman president, the first woman president mm -hmm. uh, in history. She was the second most disappointed person on election night. The first uh, most disappointed person was Hillary Clinton, obviously. And she then when she realized Clinton didn't win, whoops, I made a big mistake. I've got to, I've got to continue through the Trump administration because I can't allow right. Trump to put my replacement in the Supreme Court. Well, as uh, fate had it, she passed, and Donald Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett, and she was part of this 5-4 decision along with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, they were also part of this 5-4 decision. It was 6-3 to, to uphold the 15-week abortion ban with Chief Justice John Roberts saying that that's what he would do, but he didn't think you needed to go to the extent of overturning abortion in order to reach the question that was before the court. But the other five, you know, the question really is, is there a right for an abortion? And even in Roberts' situation, he said the viability standard was wrong and it was not practical. And the viability standard was the central holding of Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So when you gut that, which Roberts agreed to gut, agreed that it's wrong, you have to gut Roe and Casey. You have to gut all of that. The amazing decision is masterfully written. Justice Samuel Alito wrote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was especially weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. You take this back to the George W. Bush era. When he ran for president, he promised he would nominate justices like Clarence Thomas and Scalia. Well, what he did was he nominated Harriet Myers. I, in, I, on behalf of Liberty Council, was the first organization in the country to come out and publicly oppose Harriet Myers' nomination. I said that wasn't in line with your promise. We don't know anything about her judicial philosophy, but we do know a lot of other judicial philosophy about other possible candidates. Why did you nominate her? You know, I got calls from the White House. So did other people get calls from the White House. You just need to trust the president. She's an evangelical Christian. She attends a Baptist church in Texas. Okay, great. I'm glad she attends the Baptist church in Texas. What's her judicial philosophy? Just trust the president. No, I'm not going to trust the president. I got a lot of pushback. We lost donors over that. 
They said, you just need to trust the president. I said, well, we trusted Ronald Reagan, and he gave us Sandra Day O'Connor. And then two weeks into this, after taking all this heat, it came to light that she made a statement that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a hero to her, and that tanked her, mm. and she withdrew her name. And guess who was the next person that George W. Bush selected? It was Samuel Alito from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. And the very first act of Samuel Alito's time on the court was to vote yes to take a case on partial birth abortion. Then his very first significant vote on the Supreme Court was a few months later after they argued the partial birth abortion case before the Supreme Court. And by the time it came down to him, it was a 4-4 split. As the junior justice, he cast the last and therefore, in this case, deciding vote. And it was 5-4 to uphold the law that bans partial birth abortion. Now he writes this decision, a masterful piece of work. This has been a process for a long time. This was why Liberty Council was founded. Right. And, you know, Justice Thomas has been alluding that they needed to re-examine the Roe versus Wade case, and he also wrote a concurring decision in this as well. Yeah, he did, and he says that it's time to return to the Constitution and that Roe was wrongly decided, as it clearly was, and in fact, even the attorneys arguing in defense of Roe could not find a constitutional basis for it. They just said the court ought to uphold it because it upheld it in the past. But Thomas said it was based upon this erroneous substantive due process. There is no such thing in the Constitution. There's due process of law. That's procedural, not substantive. It means that if you have an enumerated right, you have due process, right to be notified, right to be heard. That's it. But the court invented substantive due process. We'll talk about that a little bit more. He said uh, lots of decisions need to be evaluated again because it's not part of the Constitution. Roe was based upon that. We're going to talk in another session about what substantive due process is and the implications of what Justice Thomas wrote in his concurring opinion. But the battle is just beginning because the battle is intense now in Congress. They're trying to pass a law that would codify Roe versus Wade on the states. Then the battle is taking place in the states with trigger laws and other kinds of action taking place, and then in the state courts. The intensity has just increased, but now the fight for life will be uh, unlimited across the country. This is a historic moment in American and world history. For more information, visit lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org.